Hello, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to In Bloom Podcast. My name is Abby and I'm the host. And this week I'm here with a very special guest who I've literally mentioned in so many recent episodes and on my YouTube channel. Y'all know what I've even mentioned that she's going to be coming on soon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I have Jenna Hong here with me today. She is 27, lives in Arlington, Virginia, and she works in operations at an accounting firm. So she's going to be sharing a lot about her journey in post-grad life. Um, she's been with her boyfriend for a while and he's in med school. So she truly is queen of doing it all, balancing it all. She is also a content creator on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. So definitely check her out if you're interested in the nine to five lifestyle content because she's queen of it. So I will <laughs> let Jenna go ahead and tell us a little bit about more about herself. And really, I would love for you to open up just initially with expanding on as much or as little as you want to with kind of what you do with your job. Because I know, especially from my perspective, working at a public accounting firm, when you mm -hmm. told me or when I found out that you worked in operations, I was like trying to kind of think through all of the people that I knew in operations at like my firm. And I was like, okay, what does Jenna do? So are you like kind of with scheduling and like staffing things or are you more so a different kind of back-end role yeah oh my god okay first off thank you for that intro that is so freaking nice of you abby it's so weird first of all it's weird to even just like talk to you like this because i feel like i already know you but i know that this is like our first time talking really one-on-one -on -one. um and you got my intro down yes i work at an accounting firm in operations i started off um i actually interned at my company back in college i found them through like my career hire portal and um, I had like just transferred into the business school and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, consulting is the thing that everyone talks about. So I actually started off at my company working in consulting for two, two and a half years. Um, so I was in external facing consulting specifically for government contracts. And then I think I had the dilemma that most people have after two years or so when they like reach senior and I'm like, okay, I don't actually like this. I don't think, <laughs> or like, if I keep doing this, then is this going to be like my future? So I had this whole like dilemma. It was also in the peak of 2020. So we were working from home and I just got like hit in the face with GovCon and I was like, no, I can't do this. So I only say this because it's such a long story with like how I've got to my job today. Started off in consulting and I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And so I actually started looking externally to just like leave the firm at all. And I was looking, nothing was really like sparking my interest. And then I actually found a job listing for my current company on LinkedIn for, I think it was like a market research role. Um, specifically called growth intelligence. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, what am I doing? I don't think I really want to leave my company. I just want to change my job. And I feel like I just traditionally thought like I should leave my company if I want to leave my job. But I was like, I think I could try having a new job at the same company. So that's what led me to eventually apply for a different role at my firm specifically within this team called growth intelligence, which is essentially market research, market reports, where someone big, like a partner at any different service or industry at my company will come to our team and say, we want to either like expand to a new service, expand a new geography. Um, we want to focus all of our efforts on possibly like this one area of the industry. Can you do some background um, intelligence and provide us a report to either show us our findings to say like, yes, continue on doing this, or maybe you should look into like this space or look into this geography. That was my next job. So I know this is a long-winded intro, but this is how I like got to my job. I started doing market research after I had landed that role, left consulting. I did that for another two years or maybe a little over, maybe in between one and a half and two years. And same thing happened. I like had that, I stuck it out for a while and I was like, I just don't think this is for me. And this is definitely not like the rest of my career. So at that point, it was a little different because instead of applying to different roles, I tried my best to just kind of outreach myself and find side projects related to my job that were needed because my team was kind of new. I think not a lot of firms have a growth intelligence, but maybe they have like a market research team. And I 
kind of gave my gave myself as many new projects as possible that could relate to my team to eventually showcase the influence that our research was having on the firm as a whole because our team was around maybe five or so people at the time but supporting a firm of around six thousand so we're like okay we're delivering all this intelligence monthly we're not really sure how to showcase the influence and so that was kind of my newfound passion with just telling myself what would make me really happy to come to work every day. It wasn't consulting. It wasn't market research. Like, what is it at this point? And at this point in my career, this was around six months ago. So I just, I voiced that to my manager and I was like, I want to try, I want to try, I was like, I want to try to start defining what our team's influence is on the firm. And that kind of led me overall to operations. So long-winded way of saying that my job now is defining the KPIs or the key performance metrics, key performance indicators of my team and um, and being able to kind of quantitatively and qualitatively show the influence that the research is having on the firm as a whole. So did we bring a certain amount of revenue to the firm? Did we, um, did we aid the launch of a new product or service offering? Like ESG is really huge in the accounting and advisory space. So we had done research prior to launching our service that, um, stuff like that, I guess. So operations, I do also do staffing for my team, but now overall, I'm just kind of like a big support system for my entire practice that I used to work on. Um, so that's kind of what operations is. It's a bunch of like task management, project management, scheduling and staffing, but also defining reporting and visualizing KPIs for a specific practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's super insightful. Thank you for sharing. I definitely yeah, of course. think that that's very, I mean, valuable to share all of that journey just because it truly does show that showing up and advocating for yourself when you don't like something, instead of just settling with it, you never know what's available within the company you're at and how far voicing how you feel can you know take you professionally. So that's all very yeah. valuable, but backpedaling a little bit, you studied finance in college. So yes. I know when we had talked before, you said that wasn't your initial choice. So getting into finance, I know you said you wanted to just kind of get into the business school, but what was your college experience like with overall, just the whole college experience? And you went to University of Maryland, correct? Yes. Okay. I went to University of Maryland and that was actually a big eye-opening experience for me because I actually grew up going to a really small all-girls private school my whole life. Okay. Wow. So I went from like small all-girls school to like huge public college and I knew I had wanted to stay in state. So I was like, okay, this will be different for me. And I just, I really like giving myself new experiences and opportunities through specifically my environment. So I was like, this will be great. And then I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. There's like 20,000 people here. And for some reason, I know like five people. I don't know what I'm doing. I was 18. But I knew that when I had started college, my only actual interest, I guess, just because I never really thought about my job or my career at the time was like, I think my dream job is being a lawyer. That's like what I always kind of told myself, mm -hmm. not really knowing anything about that at all. So I was like, what is a pre-law major that could fit? And I had chosen government and politics because of that. In high school, I had done a lot of like debate clubs and mock trials and stuff. And I guess it just had aligned with who I was at the time. Started taking all those intro classes and literally hated all of them. And I know that intro classes in general are not the best indicator to what the career will be like, but I just knew that being a lawyer was no longer my interest, especially when I had started learning new topics in college. So I was a GovCon or not GovCon. I was a government and college. I was a government and politics major. Sorry, I was a government and politics major for the first two years. And at the University of Maryland, you have to actually apply to the business school because so many people want to be business majors that they just have a certain number of seats available for people. So I had to apply and go through like a whole interview process, application process and apply to transfer in. So that's how I landed on business. I started off in college as an 18 year old knowing nothing and eventually kind of made my way to applying for that new major. And that's how I started doing that's how I got into the business school. Once I got into the business school, I also was like, I don't really know what my calling is. And I say all of this to say that I don't think anyone really knows what their calling is. I just kind of stuck with what I thought I could do best, which was something related to numbers. And accounting was not it for me. I could not get those accounting classes down. So I was like, I think finance is kind of my only option left because I like numbers, but I don't like accounting and information systems was way too challenging for me. So that's how I landed on finance. But ultimately, I think I found my internship just looking more at what 
career opportunities I could get at those firms as opposed to finding finance related jobs after college. Um, I had really sought out to find a consulting or CPA and advisory firm just so that I could keep my options open for all different areas, whether it was finance or maybe I did want to go into accounting or maybe I wanted to do something relating to the firm, but ultimately to what I do now that's internal related. So my whole college experience was just a bunch of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just going to try to stick with what feels right at the time. And I think as I go through, I think as I went through all four of those years, it kind of felt more right towards the end. And, um, and that gets you honestly to your first like one or two years after college, and then you just do it all over again. But college was really fun for me. I really loved it just because it was so different than what I knew in high school, being in a private school. And mm -hmm. I was able to make some of my like best friends for me in college. I know a lot of people, if they have like long-term friends, it's either childhood friends or high school friends. But for me, my best friends in my life are really the ones that I made in college. So um, I love it. I wish I could go back to college so bad, but, um, totally but yeah, <laughs> that's my college experience. With you saying all of that with college, um, it had me thinking, because I know you and Thomas have been together for a long time. Mm -hmm. Thomas, just your boyfriend for the listeners. Have were, Did y'all meet in high school or in college? Thomas and I did meet in high school. We actually met junior year of high school because his best friend, like from all, I think his longtime best friend and my longtime best friend were dating at the time. And I had just gotten dumped by like my high school boyfriend before Thomas, like I was 16 or 17. And I was like, oh, I just want to meet someone new. I hate all the private school boys, blah, blah, blah. And my friend was like, you should meet my boyfriend's best friend because my boyfriend's best friend doesn't date people. And you can just like meet, like meet each other. And I was oh, like, fine. okay, fine. So Thomas like had never even dated anybody in high school. And I wasn't looking to date anyone. I just wanted to meet someone new that wasn't in my like Baltimore private school circle. Mm -hmm. So I met him in high school because of that. And we have such a interesting relationship timeline because we started dating in high school but he was a professional athlete like literally since I think he was oh, wow. 16 or something like so young so I think that we had to like grow a lot and mature a lot in our relationship very early on because I was 17 started dating my boyfriend and then like one month after we started dating we had to go to Korea for the entire summer because he would train every summer for speed skating, short track speed skating in Korea because his dad also lived there. So he would train there every summer. Wow. And um, yeah, that was just like a whole thing. We were kind of experiencing long distance at such a young age and so early on our, in our relationship. So um, we've been dating for, this is gonna be our 10th year anniversary, which is- Oh my God. Yeah, that's so weird. That's so amazing though. I mean, it's, it's so incredible in hindsight, especially when you've gone through, because from my perspective, I'm like, wow, growing through college and post-grad together, it's just crazy mm -hmm. because of all the changes and you kind of grow individually, but you also grow together. So to experience that from high school now to like well into post-grad life, that's truly incredible. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. And, and also Abby, congratulations on your wedding. Oh yes. marriage. So it's been Thank so you. fun watching all of that. I love that you vlogged like the whole week before week of the honeymoon. Like I feel like I was there for all of it. It was I so fun that. to watch. That was the goal. It's like, I, I feel like everybody deserves, you know, to have some insight into it with just how invested, I guess, people have been in my life just from putting my life online for over the years and everything. But yes, mm -hmm. thank you so much. I did want to talk about what your transition looked like going from college to post-grad and especially because you experienced this pre-COVID. So it was honestly entirely different world than what I experienced going post-grad or college to post-grad. So what would you mm -hmm. say, you know, was maybe some of the biggest challenges you faced with adjusting to post-grad life and what was that transition like for you? Yeah, I remember so vividly when I started full-time work, I just was so baffled at how exhausted I was because I felt like I was doing nothing but sitting from nine to five or like what, eight to five, eight to six with my commute. And I was like, why am I so tired? Mm -hmm. And then if I had any energy at the time, I didn't want to like work out or eat healthy or do anything. I just wanted to like go out with the new people that I was working with because everyone was going to happy hour every single Thursday, Friday, and everyone was living so close to each other because we lived close to the office and the team was so big. So I remember it just had hit me so hard because I was living with a couple of friends that I had met through college and my childhood. We were all like roommates together. So navigating that weird joining of my life, in addition to making a whole group, new group of, a whole new group of friends through my firm, and then just feeling so tired all the time, having to do it five days a week and feeling like the two days of the weekend just for some reason wasn't enough. It, I was having such a hard time mentally, I think for the first 
six months or so just being like I don't know how to do this and I don't know how I was able to do this so differently in college because I think in college we just have sprints of classes and we probably have like a good break during the day so my transition to full-time work and post-grad life was really hard I think I just truthfully prioritized the wrong things I like wanted to go to happy hour and like go out drinking with my friends which I think everyone really deserves that period of their life but I think that made the transition harder just because I was so physically exhausted and I was like I don't know why I'm so tired sitting all the time but um I would say after six months I had started in August so around six months had come March and so I was going into the office five days a week. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the March, in the middle of March, the whole office had closed and then it would just stay closed indefinitely through the summer. And I like packed up everything. I tried my best to work from my apartment, but they, I think I had spent like weeks at a time at my house, especially in lockdown. So my whole entire first year post-grad was just so, so not what I could have expected because right when I felt like I had a grip of my routine post-grad was around the six month mark. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Orange Theory and I'm going to try to not go out like Monday through Thursday, unless it's a really good week, something like that. <laughs> and then, and then we, we were stuck at home and I didn't even know what to do. And then at that point I was like, wait, I have to do this job actually with no other people around indefinitely so I had a really huge awakening I think around that six month mark of like okay I'm not exactly sure if if I like this if I'm going to do it but I think part of postgrad is questioning just everything about what makes me happy what I want to spend my time with um, who I want to be with so I think taking away that aspect of like almost the seduction of corporate culture I was able to really see okay what can I focus on with my job if I don't like this how much longer do I want to stick this out before I really make a decision that feels right for me because I'm not someone to make rash decisions. So I think even though six months in, I didn't love my job. I stuck it out until I had made senior. So I was there for two years. Ultimately, I gained all that expertise. I know you can relate to this. I like <laughs> was like, okay, I'm going to maybe try being a leader. I'll get involved internally with recruiting. Don't want to do that. <laughs> and I was just putting so much time into everything. And I was like, ultimately, I just don't want to do this. But I think that I had to stick it out for at least two years for me to just be sure of that decision. So my post-grad life was a lot of just me questioning everything and feeling like right when I had a grip of something good, everything would change. And especially with COVID, I think it just really enhanced my, I think it just enhanced the exposure of this is what life after college will look like. You don't have people around, you're just doing your job and like, this is it. So you should probably find a job that you don't mind doing and try new things while you can, because otherwise you might kind of lose track of time and then all these years will go by and it'll be harder for you to find a new job. So that's kind of how it was for me, especially in COVID. It was like, I just remember so clearly in February, I was like, this is great. I know how to do this now. I can spend the rest of my first year figuring it out. And then we were home. So it was a lot. I felt like there were honestly two huge transitions and it just, it was a crazy, crazy year. Right. I mean, you truly did two 180s if you think about it in the span of six months, you know, okay, college, mm -hmm. post -grad, then you did like pre-COVID, post-grads, post-COVID, or not post-COVID, during COVID, post-grad. So it's just crazy to even imagine that much change in, you know, such a short period of time. So kudos to you mm -hmm. for getting through it truly, but Thanks. with your career and with you saying how, you know, you've, there's been times where you've reflected and assessed, okay, don't think this is my career. Don't think this is what I want to do. Do you have an idea of what your dream career looks like? Or are you somebody who's just kind of like, I'm making decisions as they come and it'll eventually land me in the right place? I feel like this is, this is a question that I feel like, especially as someone who's working a normal office job and doing content creation pretty consistently, it's like the question I'm genuinely always asking myself, <laughs> like weekly, I'm like, what's my dream job? Like, which one am I really like working towards? And I feel like honestly for, so I've had my channel since 2020, the end of 2020, it was like my mm -hmm. post post COVID year. Like, this is what I'm going to start. And I think from 2020 up until maybe like mid 2023, I was like, being a YouTuber is my dream. It's just always been my dream. I've been watching YouTube since I was like 14 anyways. I was here for like Kathleen Lights, Jacqueline Hill and Champagne Pop and all these things. And I just want to do, I want to be a YouTuber and I think I could be good at it. And even during that time where I was growing my platform for those first three or so, two and a half years, I was like, this is my dream. I'm going to like, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to hustle so that I can have my dream life. And then 
maybe around like six months ago, I think again, all of these like career changes are happening. I was like, I think my dream job is just giving myself a good. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Balance of everything I want in my life. I feel like I was trying so hard to reach this like dream job of being a YouTuber that I kind of lost sight of the life that it would give me. And I think I'm a little too scared about what that could be for me personally. Mm -hmm. So I think my dream job is ultimately, at least right now, just something that gives me a good balance of everything in my life. I just want a job that, yes, I have the stability of my nine to five, which is really good. And I can pay the bills that way, but hopefully that job is able to give me work-life balance to pursue passions. And so if my passion is another job, then that can give me like a glimpse into having my dream life. But I really just want my dream job to be something that allows me a life for myself and not a life for work because I'm just, I'm so passionate about not working so much in my life, even though I know I do. I really try to ground myself with what will make me happy having a job. I think my dream job is just a job that gives me a life with balance. That's like all I truly want. And if I'm lucky enough to get that in either a nine to five or content creation or both, then I'll take that. It's more just kind of like a way of thinking for myself so that I can get enough sleep, but also be happy most of the time. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, honestly, I think that's a great answer. And I think that a lot of people probably feel relieved hearing that because I think we put a little bit too much pressure on ourselves, especially in our twenties, when we're just starting out our careers to be able to articulate and truly know what that dream career is. But I think if you can, like you said, identify the things that you truly want that kind of happen as sort of con not consequences, but just sort of happen from the career you're in, um, the balance that allows you and the freedom it allows you, whatever that is, if you can identify mm -hmm. what you want out of those things, that can be a lot more beneficial long-term than chasing after something that you don't really know if it will actually be your dream job in 10, 15, 20 years. So I actually really like that answer because, you know, from for me, myself too, I struggle with the same thing, not really knowing is, is this my dream career? Is this not my dream career? And it's truly just, okay, right now where I'm at, what do I think is going to align best with who I am and what I want in my life? So I love that. I also want to say that I feel like with dream jobs, I think about this all the time because I think social media is also wildly saturated with like dream job, dream life, dream couch, dream windows, like <laughs> dream something. And I'm like, okay, I feel like we're associating so much with tangible items or, you know, a specific job to like what a dream is. And what about just like the dream life, like in a dream life, not with having the most amount of money or the job that everyone envies, but it's literally just a dream life is a life that makes you really happy and I feel like a dream life is a life that you live with no regret or at least as little regret as possible I feel like having a different mindset you say this so much on your podcast which I love I think life is all about just like reframing our mindsets and I feel like if we can reframe our mindset on what a dream job is if we just put it more to the dream life then we don't have to put such huge standards to like what job we have or how much money we make or how big our house is or something it's really just like what will make us happy and how can we how can we get there? It's not the tangible things, but it's it's our approach on life. So for sure. That's my tangent about dream jobs. No, I love that. I love that. And I want to talk about, I mean, with YouTube, I know you mentioned, just mentioned that you really try to, you know, allow yourself to live and have balance. And with all of that, you have done a work to live diaries on YouTube. It's kind of your your name, your bread and your butter, the name of the game. Um, and I absolutely love it. Love watching your videos, but you. I'd love for you to just tell us about how you got started in 2020, like you mentioned earlier. And I know you've been on YouTube for years. Like you said, we watched a lot of the same people starting out and kind of what got you to start creating videos. Cause a lot of times, you know, people just say in their head, Oh, I want to do this, but what kind of got you to actually take action on that? And what inspired you really to start your channel? Oh. I think for me, I got lucky that 
so at the end of 2020, no one had really seen each other. And I think that was actually a really important factor to what ultimately led me to start posting videos. I hadn't seen anyone in like over six months. So I think since I wasn't feeling, you know, maybe natural signs of like judgment or response or anything from people in person, I was like, I think I was disassociating from the potential judgment that I could get from people, <laughs> even just on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that kind of helped me start. I had started in October of 2020, right after my 24th birthday, I think it was. And the only thing that was stopping me was just feeling like I didn't want to have all the footage on my phone. It was like my excuse. I was like, ah, I can't deal with all the footage anyways. I don't want to do it. So I remember I was sitting on the couch with my neighbor at the time, who was also one of my friends from college. And I had like a camera in my cart and he was like, just get this. He was like, just get it right now. It's already in your cart. <laughs> just get it and start. And I was like, no, I can't do that. That's like $700. It was a Sony ZV-1. I was like, I just can't do that. And then we're watching another person on YouTube at the time. And he was like, I don't know why we're watching someone on YouTube when you could be making your own YouTube channel. Like he made it so simple for me as all guys do. And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> I just can't do it. So it was in my car and my friend Jerry had like hit buy on my Amazon cart. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, I know I could cancel this right now. And he was like, yeah, or you could just kind of embrace the fact that you just got a camera and you're investing in your career. And try something out like you haven't seen anyone anyways I remember that was like kind of what led me to keep the purchase I was like I guess he's right like I if I've always wanted to do this and I've always kind of talked about it this is the best time for me to do it because I haven't seen anyone anyways so that's like what ultimately I think led me to actually start getting into the mindset of creating content is really just having like a friend that would do it for me and see the potential in me before I could really do it myself. So once I got the camera, I was like, okay, I'm all in. I should just go totally all in and start posting weekly. So I think from that point on, I had posted every single week after my 24th birthday. And then in December, I was like, I'm going to do a three times a week vlogmas. And then I kept that up for some reason through the next like nine months of posting vlogs and sit down videos three times a week. And I just told myself after doing so much research of what I liked about XYZ creator and their videos and vlogs, I was like, I'm going to try my best shot at it. And I feel like I can't see my potential unless I really commit because if it's just a side hobby and I do it every now and then, I don't know if I could really see the potential in myself just because I'm someone that thrives off of order and routine and stuff like that. And I was like, how can I really grow the skill and see what I'm capable of if I'm not dedicating the time to it, I guess, up front. That was just my mentality with it. So I think it was really just, again, like a switch in mindset. Once I had gotten the camera, I posted my first video. I was like, okay, I'm just going to show up for myself now and post every week. And at that, and then later on three times a week, I was like, I'm just going to show up for myself in this way. And I think it also stemmed from not really liking the consulting job at the time. I was still mm -hmm. consulting and I was like, if this is what I do like putting my time into, I'm just going to focus on that for as long as I possibly can. And if it doesn't work at some point, I'll figure it out then. So that's what led me to start my channel. But because it was 2020 and we were working from home, my big idea for, I guess, like, you know, my branding pillars or something, everything that I think everyone thinks about when you're branding your channel, I was like, I really want to show more of like working at home because one, I don't have time to vlog like my day because I actually do have to work most of the time. And if I can bring someone else a sense of comfort, like they are working with someone else, like I wish I, I had right now, then I think that could actually be a really good idea. So I had done the next like nine months or so of just a bunch of dedicated work day in my life, work from home day vlogs to really showcase that comfort, but also how I'm, I guess, focusing on myself and my career in that time. So I think I had kind of put myself into if you if you would put it in a niche I put myself in like that nine to five niche because I just kind of had no other choice like I wasn't going to go pursue a different passion because the passion was the video making and if the video making was of my life my job was 85 percent of my life so I tried my best to put in all like tips that I could my experiences with my job how I got my job my education all in the beginning of my channel and then ultimately when I wasn't really feeling fulfilled with that anymore, I was like, I want to make a series that could be more, yes, like about work, because I do have to do that so much, but more about like life outside of work. So I started doing a bunch of like life outside of work blogs to make my brand, not just about work, but about me. And then ultimately it led me to work to live diaries. Cause it just kind of, that's like my whole mindset with life is having 
a job that allows you to live a life that you live. And even with having a full-time corporate job, you can still have passions like I do with content creation or with running and stuff. So that's how I led myself to work to live diaries and just how I got started with my channel in general. It's always been about work, but I try my best to be really mindful of like showing me with the work so that so that people can really know who that so that people can really know who I am and they don't just know me for having a job, but they know me with a job, if that makes sense. No, totally. That makes sense. And as someone who loves order and routine and has so much on their plate and so many responsibilities with being a content creator, working a full-time job, having a puppy and running, being in a relationship. What are some of your favorite products or even just parts of your routine that you think really make your day-to-day life better or just improve your overall day-to-day experience? Oh my gosh. I think, I think you'll totally agree with me, but I think just having a workout routine, that's always been my number one priority specifically for the mental health benefits. Like, I feel like it releases my stress. It releases my energy. And then I tell myself, like, I couldn't have worked during that time anyways. Maybe I can like brainstorm at most, but (laughs) most of the time I'm just focusing on like the one mile that I'm on or the one strength workout that I'm doing or what the coach is saying that I'm like, okay, if there's anything else, because eventually YouTube feels like work, right? So I'm like, if there's anything, I just want to give myself something for just me, not me as a girlfriend or a worker or a YouTuber or something, but just me for me. And so that really became health and fitness. And so that's ultimately what grounds me with my routine. I'm actually recovering right now from a small cold that led me off my routine from working out for like three days. And it's like led me into mayhem because I hate it. But because that's just how I know that like being in a good workout routine makes me feel like I'm investing in myself more than anything. So definitely the workout routine. It's just something that I've also really naturally enjoyed doing. I'm really, I think, fortunate to enjoy working out. It's just a good form of releasing my energy. So it doesn't have to be working out for anyone. It could be like reading or like spending a really good, like 30 minutes making a good cup of coffee, something like that. But just doing something for yourself that has nothing to do with work. Like you don't have to film it all the time. Maybe sometimes if you want to, but just something that's just for you. I think that's what lets me be in my work productivity-based routine, because I know that if I can get my workouts in for the most part and get enough sleep, then I can put in the time with my nine to five. I can put in the time with editing outside of my job. And especially with having my boyfriend, we live together. He's in medical school. So he has to be studying outside of the nine to five hours. That's why I really invest a lot of time into YouTube and running because I have to fill my time somehow so that I'm not like bothering him all the time because he has to study. So I think there's so much that puts me into my routine, but what really grounds me the most is really the health and fitness. Definitely. And when did, how did you get into running? When did that start? Running started, uh, post-grad running started around a year ago for me only because Washington DC has this beautiful, like most well-known race called the cherry blossom race. Since we have like that whole like street of cherry blossoms, there's usually a 10 mile or 5k race that they have around the peak time. So since Thomas had started medical school in DC, we got a huge new community of people that lived here. Since most of my friends had moved after college, especially when we moved in together, I was like not really meeting the new people. So some of his friends had signed up for the cherry blossom race. And so he signed me up too. And that's how I got started. I was like, oh my God, like Thomas just signed me up for this. I should probably start <laughs> running. So that's how I got into it. But I just totally fell in love with it because I just love how running makes me feel specifically jogging, not even running fast, just jogging at a conversational pace. You could like talk to someone, like sometimes I'm on the phone when I'm running or jogging just allows me to run longer. So I just like feel those endorphins for a lot longer, but I just love how running makes me feel. So that's really how I stuck with it. But I got started with it because I just got signed up for a race and I was like, oh no, again, like, I'm like, oh no, I spent the money for this. I have to like do something about it. So I know it's like that long-term investment mentality, but I was like, oh no, I need to actually do this. Um, So that's kind of how I got started with it. Like spending money will, that will make you take action at the end of the day. <laughs> Good yeah. I'm like, oops. Okay. <laughs> Gotta do it. Yeah. That's, that's funny. I literally tried running. Gosh, I've never been a runner and it was during COVID and I was like, I'm gonna try running every day this month. And I was sh- just running a mile, but I truly thought that runners just sprinted like every time right? they ran. Me too. And I, so I'm like sitting there trying to get like the best mile time when I could have just yeah. been leisurely jogging two or three exactly. miles and I'm sitting there trying to have like Olympic 
sprint times for a freaking mile. And I'm like, okay, I need to reevaluate this. But that sounds so beautiful (laughs) though with the cherry blossom race. I've never been to DC or Arlington, the state of Virginia in general. So totally need the visit. That sounds so beautiful. Yes, you have to visit. I'll take you to all the places. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And you just mentioned that how all your friends, and I've heard you talk about this on YouTube before too, Mm -hmm. all your friends moved away and- what has that been like for you? And you know, <laughs> how, how do you approach making friends post-grad? Cause it's something I personally struggle a lot with. I mean, I've been in my post-grad city for two years now, almost three, I think. And yeah, almost three years. And I just am not doing well in that department. <laughs> I think it's like one of the most challenging things that we can go through post-grad. And I I've actually been seeing more about this on social media lately. I think people are being more transparent about the specific mental struggle you go through when you realize that you don't live close to your friends anymore mm-hmm. or you don't have any close friends where you're currently living at this time of your life because at this point a lot of people are moving away to try to find their own passion or where they where they resonate the most when it comes to where they're living so I don't even know if I've explicitly shared this ever but I actually started going to therapy because last year in 2023 because of how much I was struggling with all of my friends moving away and living with I was like, I'm living with my partner for the first time. This is supposed to be amazing. But why am I so sad that like all of my friends are not here anymore? And I was really, really struggling with it. I think I was just having, I think for me, I realized I had such a sense of identity with my friends that it was making me go crazy that they were all moving. And I was like, if I can't spend time with my friends and I only am left to spend time with Thomas, like, is that good for me either? So then I was like, oh my God, I have to make new friends now. Like, how am I supposed to do that? And I think for me, it's, I'm lucky to be able to connect with people like you and people online to feel like I'm making friends with people through the internet, but that makes it even harder to meet them in person. Cause I'm like, I could just like meet people online though. So it's really, really hard. And I think you have to like constantly tell yourself that you can't expect to make things better for yourself. If you are struggling with making friends after college, you can't expect it to get better by just like staying home and doing nothing. You really have to tell yourself in what ways am I going to put myself out there to meet someone new? So something that really helped me since I started going to therapy and I've since graduated therapy and reframed my whole mindset with it. I was like, I just need to say yes and put myself in more natural positions to meet new people. So I started going to more run clubs because mm-hmm. run clubs are a really good way to meet people that also enjoy running, but you can also get a run in. So it's kind of like a habit stacking thing for me. I was like, if I can get a run in, but also meet someone new, then maybe that's good. Then I can still have time to kind of do everything else in my life. So that's what it was so uncomfortable though, because I just think it's so hard to meet new people who wants, it's like when you're five years old, you don't remember going up to someone and just saying, can we be friends? Right. It's a lot better than being 27 years old being like, Hey, do you want to meet up for coffee? Like that just sounds so <laughs> awkward, but I have to tell myself that if, if I don't do that, if I don't make myself uncomfortable and put myself out there, it's kind of like dating. It's like, if I don't put myself out there, how do I expect to find a new friend or meet someone new? So I think that the struggle was so, I was struggling with it so much that once I spent the time really focusing on reframing my mindset with friendships post-grad, I actually eventually started to see the beauty of long-distance friendships. I feel a lot closer with my friends that have moved away, luckily, since they've moved because we've been able to stay in touch so closely through voice message and phone call and text message and everything. But meeting people now physically in person is always going to be hard. It's always going to be a little uncomfortable, but I just tell myself that if I don't do that, then I'm not really focusing on it and I'm not trying. So it's really hard. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know it's vulnerable to share like, okay, this is what I was in therapy for and trying to work through. And I know it's definitely something so many of us struggle with, especially with this going through COVID and everything and getting so comfortable with just being in our homes and being alone a lot of the time. So I totally relate. And you definitely seeing your content seriously inspires me so much to just like get outside of my comfort zone socially. Cause like seeing you go to run clubs and stuff, I'm like, okay, like maybe I can, you know, try to go to a different workout studio one day just to see if I can, you know, hit it off with a friend or something. So I definitely love that you share all of that and just your journey of, you know, figuring out the whole situation of friendships (laughs) post-grad. Thanks. Yeah, it's so hard, but I love I love showing it once now that I've met a couple of girls and I've made those friends, it's a lot easier once you mm-hmm. meet them to be like, okay, now I'm gonna film right. this because it's really fun. So it's it's all worth it if you just put in that like extra ounce of effort, it'll be so worth it. And then it becomes so much easier. So um, so yeah. Definitely, definitely. 
And with your corporate job and with being a content creator, the million dollar question that I feel like everybody has, whether you're a content creator or not, is how do you create, how do you find balance? Especially when you're really juggling, you know, 40 plus hour work weeks every single week when you think about it with being a content creator on the side and obviously having the other responsibilities, it can be really easy to kind of just get so caught up in the mindset of, wow, am I going to be doing this forever? This is really like monotonous, just day in, day out, like working so much. So what are your key tips or the ways that you find that you create or find balance with your lifestyle? I think that one of my biggest things that has genuinely helped me so much with my lifestyle of balancing two different types of jobs, I guess, just let's just call it general jobs, is really just planning out when I'm supposed to put my time to one over the other. Planning is something that I really never did. Like like I said, when I was in therapy and I was like, la-di-da about everything, I was like, I'm just going to try to get through it like day by day and like survive the day. And that worked at the time, but ultimately it led me to realize that I wasn't like preparing myself anymore. I was just trying to get through the day, which I think is all I could handle at the time. But once I really realized that planning out, even just what my videos lightly will look like for the month and moving that around became so much mentally less taxing than figuring it out on the spot because I knew I had to get it up the next couple of days if I didn't do it. And it just brought me so much stress to not plan it that once I kind of was able to get myself mentally out of survival mode, I was like, okay, now I'm going to prepare myself to be my best self ever. And I can only be my best self if I'm supporting myself and I can only support myself if I plan it out. So planning is what I preach about the most like if I could do anything it's you have to plan out your responsibilities because the more responsibilities you have on your plate the harder it'll get for you to figure it out especially on the spot so if you're like if you have kids or if you have at Evernorth Health Services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Like a separate job or three jobs even. I think that you can't, you can't really put yourself into each one unless you know when you're going to do that. And you can only know when, when you're planning it ahead of time and it just saves you so much stress and anxiety in the long run if you just give yourself that time maybe every week or every month to say like okay I think this is what my month will look like or I think this is what my week will look like and then you can kind of move it around as opposed to just literally deciding it on the spot that's my main tip for like balancing multiple things at once it's like okay if I could do my run in the morning then after work I can edit or if I'm going to edit in the morning because I just can't get myself to run then maybe I just won't work out at all that day and that's fine because I'm not trying to work out seven days a week I just want to do it you know half the week or five times a week or something so I think just being mindful of when I'm scheduling time for myself I don't really like to time block but I just like to have an idea of like this priority before work, work in itself is like the whole day. And then this one thing after work is probably editing. And that's the best that I can do. And my best is good enough when I'm juggling so much at once. Um, I think my next thing that I've been trying to do more that has helped a lot is um, taking a full-time work approach with my YouTube channel. So I think that especially with people that want to create content, but also have their full-time jobs still. I've been trying to like schedule my PTO with my content creation. So every single month, there will be one week a month where I'm not posting twice a week. I usually post twice a week, but I always try to disclaim that there's one week a month where there's just literally nothing. And that also really has helped me a lot so that I don't burn out and I don't wait until I'm like, oh God, I just can't do this anymore to take a break. Um, I think like giving myself, you know, like a, a long weekend is kind of how I see it with content creation, just like I would for my nine to five job. That's really helped me so much just feel more balanced and feeling like I'm preventing that burnout instead of waiting for it to happen. Then I have to react to it and like heal myself from it. So scheduling my PTO on my content creation is what has, I think ultimately led me to be more consistent with it as well, because with knowing that break, I tell myself, you know, three weeks of two videos a week long form, however many that would be short form for others, then I give myself a little break and it's like a treat and I can sleep more, work on other things, go for an extra long run or schedule a date night with Thomas. Something that 
will just allow me a break every now and then just just like we have our dedicated paid time off with our corporate jobs it's like you can only really invest in yourself if you allow yourself the balance and i've tried to just be better about giving myself that balance and intentionally giving it to myself instead of waiting until i feel like i need it or else i will like explode so i think those are my like two biggest if if i could have a million dollar answer it would be for sure planning things out and giving yourself breaks when you need it because it will pay off in the long run. Right. You definitely do a great job. I mean, of being intuitive when it comes to your approach with content creation and giving yourself those breaks when you need it. And I do think it's super inspiring, especially from my perspective. I'm somebody that I I feel like I have an, an approach that needs improved, I guess you could say, when it comes to content creation and balancing things, because I'm the type to wait till I fall apart and burn out. Whereas you really have those cues almost where you're like, nope, this is, I'm drawing a line here, the boundary, and I'm going to make sure that I take care of myself in this way so that I can show up for myself every day. So I love that, but um, it's super helpful for me to hear and super inspiring as well. But to kind of wrap up, I would love for you to just walk through what your day typically looks like, you know, from waking up in the morning to your evening, because I think that it's it's one of my favorite pieces of content to consume. I love hearing people's routines, especially when people are really invested in their routine and they've curated something that's so great for them. And I think everybody really loves to hear it, especially when you are balancing a lot of different things. Yeah. Okay. My typical ideal day, or maybe like my typical realistic, but like good day for me mm-hmm. is I will wake up at around maybe like 630 or so. I used to go to Orange Theory, but I'm on a break right now from Orange Theory just because I'm sharing a lifetime membership with my boyfriend. But typically I'll wake up like 10 minutes before my Orange Theory class, run over to Orange Theory and take the class because if I don't go, I'm going to get charged an extra $12 on top of what I already pay monthly. So I get my workout in in the morning, I come back, make my protein shake, take a nice shower, and I do my skincare. Like I think skincare is something that I don't really talk about a lot just because it's like a true, true habit for me. If I don't do my skincare, I feel like I'm just aging exponentially that day. So I literally have to make sure I do my skincare every morning and night. So I'll do my skincare after I shower and everything, and I get myself ready for the day. I'm trying to be better about getting ready more. So I'll like just do my hair a little bit better or make sure to put on my jewelry. And then start my workday with a cup of coffee. That's what always like signals my workday because I work from home. So at around nine is when I make my coffee and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my day. And luckily I don't have my daily team meeting until 10. So it's just a really good way for me to like ease into my workday. I like enjoy a cup of coffee, but I'm just kind of silently working to make sure that I'm getting started well, go through my whole workday, but I do take a lunch break at around like 12, 1230. And I try to step away from my desk. I haven't been that good the last couple of weeks, but I'll step away from my desk and actually give myself like a physical and visual break from work for my lunch break. Take my dog out, of course, every like three or four hours. It's really nice, truthfully, having a partner to live with because we like switch off. So a lot of times if I walk Beast right before work, then I don't have to walk him in the middle of the day. Or if Thomas walks him right before work as I'm starting my day, then I'll take my afternoon break and walk him. So it really just depends on the day. But getting outside helps so much and like being forced outside to walk my dog is so nice just Mm -hmm. because it physically gets me away from my desk. So getting it away from my desk every now and then every couple hours, giving myself that mid-afternoon snack, that's like what will get me through the rest of the day. Because once you hit like two and three, you're just like, why is it not the end of the day? I've gone through like a whole day. So I'll give myself a treat to be like, you can do it just like two more hours. And then I'm really strict about logging off at five. That's why I try to stay like really locked in. I give myself like a, a healthy lunch break and a break to walk my dog, but I'm really zoned in so that I can like reward myself and be off right at five. I think that obviously that's like my ideal good day, even though it's not every day. Um, Log off at five and typically I'll just like scroll my phone for the next 30 minutes to really like, again, reward myself and decompress. And then Thomas and I make dinner together. That's like our favorite thing to do. I love making dinner together just because with our busy days, like we just don't have time to talk usually, or at least for more than like five minutes at a time. So we always try to make time for each other by making dinner together and eating together with no phones. That's like my favorite part of the day. Um, And then 
And then honestly, I'm editing for the rest of the night. Probably I'll, I'll edit and then I'll do my flashcards because I'm doing like language learning this year. I'm trying my best to learn Korean this year. So doing that into the mix too. And then once I'm done my flashcards, then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I've edited, I've worked on myself. And now if I'm lucky to have time, I'll read before I go to bed. And sometimes it gets me like five pages. Sometimes it gets me like, you know, a third of the way through of a book right. but that's like if I can end my day with reading it's like uh what a good day that was and I go to bed really happy so totally that's my that. that's my typical ideal day wait what are you reading right now I need to know oh my gosh I'm reading where is it I'm reading this book that I've never seen before it's called heart and soul it's about this Korean adoptee who I got it on sale uh-huh. um this Korean adoptee who like goes to Korea to try to find her parents but then she like falls in love oh so my that's my I know doesn't it sound so cute yes but I have so many books I want to read my <laughs> next read after that is I think it's called like the things we leave unfinished yes I read that it's really great. You read it? Yes. Was I, it really good? Yes. It's it's so crazy because it feels like so many different books in one in a way. Really? But it's it's really good. I, I enjoyed it. It was a little slow in the beginning, but once it like picked up, it picked up and the plot twist in it, I wouldn't have Ooh. seen it coming from a million oh, yes. I mean, like it was just, it was so jaw dropping, which I don't know, maybe I'm just bad at picking up on that, but I feel like I'm usually, I'm not the best at it, but I'm also not terrible at it. So I feel like I'm the average person yeah. when it comes to picking up plot twists. But yeah. I personally really liked it. I actually got that for my mother-in-law for Mother's Day for her to read because I, I never okay. know what to get like in-laws or your significant other parents for little holidays or for their birthdays. And one of my favorite things to do is gift books, especially if I've read them. So I was like, what could I get her? That's not just like, you know, showing up with some HEB flowers or something. So I was <laughs> like, let, let me think of one of the books I've read. I'm like, I think she would like this one, but that one's really good. You'll, I think you'll like it. But I'm excited to hear a lot of how people's like five star reads. So yes, I'm like, okay, yes. I want to read that next. Definitely. But I'm excited to hear how Heart and Soul is. I feel like I remember hearing you mention that in one of your YouTube mm-hmm. videos recently. So excited I'm to excited. hear about that. But thank you so much for coming on. Let everyone know where to, you know, find you on socials and everything so they can keep up. Cause I'm sure after, you know, listening to, hearing you talk about, you know, your life and how you balance things, they're going to want to stay along for the ride. So <laughs> you're so nice, Abby. I feel like Abby, you always shout me out and it's so freaking crazy that you always do that. Cause I'm like, I can't believe Abby Nelson is shouting me out. It's so, you're gonna get all it's so I nice watch, like <laughs> literally, like I, I, if Jenna has not uploaded, I literally, you know how you have the subscriptions bar on the left. Yeah. I literally like when the little blue dot is on that, like you've uploaded or when I get the notification, I'm like, okay, um, click. I literally like, I don't even go to my subscription box anymore. I just go to Jenna Hong and then I just like play the recent videos because I just don't that even watch so anybody nice. else. Oh my God. That's so kind of you. I just love, I love that. I found you mainly because you were working in accounting too. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like she gets it then. So yeah. it's just been so nice, honestly, like getting to know you through YouTube and everything. And just thank you for always shouting me out. I really appreciate it, especially as someone that's a little newer, a little smaller, just, it really means so much to me. Um, if anyone else wants to follow me too, my Instagram handle, my TikTok handle, I think they're both the same. It's just Jenna X Hong. And then you can find me on YouTube, my name, Jenna Hong, H-O-N-G. And I hope to see you guys on one of those platforms. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great time chatting with you.